Hey, I'm David Greenwald. And I'm Dom Sincola. And this is Pretty Little Grown Men. Okay, we're back with another discussion of our favorite show. No, I'm just kidding. Um, this was an okay episode. Uh, we're here to talk about, of course, Pretty Little Liars. Uh, season seven, episode sixteen. Yes, there's and four left. Four left. And what's this one called, Dom? It's called. It's called the glove that rocks the cradle. Mm. Directed by Paula Hunziker, uh huh, who I believe began as a script supervisor on the show. Has directed one other episode. I'm not sure which one that is. Um, and she's been a script supervisor on a lot of TV shows, such as Twenty Four. Uh huh. And uh, Torchwood, and I'm going off of memory based on just looking at her IMDb. Um, Touch the other Kiefer Sutherland uh, show that was on Fox. Oh, okay. Uh, which I never watched, although I was a quite a big 24 fan. I never watched it actually. It's extremely addictive. the The most surprising part about 24 is that it operates as if it's some sort of like gung-ho super patriot uh super patriotic conservative tv show um but all of the villains on the show are republicans and all of the heroes are democrats hmm that sounds like subversion Mm -hmm. although the creator of the show whose name uh, escapes me um is apparently uh a, an outspoken libertarian, huh? Um, I I don't know. I haven't I haven't I haven't read his Wikipedia page lately, so right. I'm not well, entirely yeah, sure. I mean, who knows where he stands <clears throat> in 2017? I mean, it is a very much like a American First type TV show, right? Right. But uh, it did have a lot of progressive presidents who were like heroes, right? Huh. Well, there were no politics in this episode of Pretty Little Liars. Uh, there was a, an assault. There was a uh, some arson, I guess. There was some crying. Some crying. Uh, there was some romance. Uh, it was a lot. A lot. There was a lot going on in this episode, and we've been talking about the Spencer twin theory, and sort of watched this episode through the frame of like, what if one of these Spencers is an evil twin, and it made the episode make more sense. Because it was super choppy, and Spencer is like in five different places all the time. Mm-hmm. But if you don't know about this twin theory from the internet, and you were just watching this episode, you would be like, "What is going on with Spencer?" Which is sort of where I'm at, not wanting to believe in another theory. I feel like our whole PLL community has pretty much come down on the fact that this is a reality and this is what's happening, and it's hard to deny, really, because the the one. Uh, fault of the last episode directed by Troyan was the jarring transition between Spencer at the airport and uh, Spencer not at the airport. I don't know where she was after that. Who can say? Yeah, but how it was a really jarring transition in an otherwise very well-crafted episode. Um, this episode is not as well-crafted. In fact, it was pretty disappointing let down after last week's uh, pretty stellar episode. Um, I agree. And uh, But those jarring moments are pretty much splattered all over this episode um it uh it was really choppy in fact we uh questioned whether we watched 
uh, a, a download of the episode that, you know, that was missing something. Right. It felt like, so Hannah has to play the game in this episode and she's supposed to, oh, that's a little beer action. Mm-hmm. She has to go to a computer store and pick something up and she doesn't know what it's going to be. And then, and she's talking to Caleb about it. And then all of a sudden she like has this hard drive and they're listening to a Patsy Klein song that's on it. And I was like, wait a minute, how, how did that happen? Where did the, where did this, you know, because usually I understand, okay, this is sort of a dull task potentially, but usually they play this out and they have her go to the store and blah, blah, blah. So mm-hmm. we, we did download this episode from somewhere. Uh, we watched a Canadian version. Actually, We watched the Canadian version. So I don't know if we missed a scene or if that was just like a really choppy episode. And I guess we're going to have to watch it on Hulu tomorrow and to skim and see if there was something missing, but that felt really awkward. And there was like more, uh, more Spencer, Caleb, Hannah discussion than one more action sequence of like Hannah going out and picking up this thing. So that was just like super unclear to me, but then they have this hard drive and then the show sort of gets rolling and it's like, all right, well let's do this stakeout for AD with this hard drive. And Aria is super uncomfortable because she has to do bad stuff. Mm -hmm. And I thought she was going to be the person who goes to collect the hard drive, but instead it's something else. Yeah. It was really strange too. on how instead of getting their coffee from the brew, they kept going to Tim Horton's the whole time. Wasn't that strange? That I, was did, my, that, I didn't notice. That was my Canadian joke, Dave. Oh. Okay. <laughs> I, I can't keep up with you, Dom. Uh, that's the Canadian. That one was for me. That's the Canadian That's the Canadian edit of PLL. They got to get Tim Hortons. <laughs> to get their Timbits. Uh, anyway, yeah. Um, it was really strange. Uh, I actually, I, I felt for Arya, despite um, still not buying what... AD has that is so incriminating that she's willing to basically sacrifice all standards and morals that she's carried for as long as this show has been going. Yeah, I thought this was a strange... I've really enjoyed the way the show has dealt with her in the last few episodes Mm -hmm. and just let her be more of an actual protagonist instead of romantic relief, as she uh, has called herself uh, outside of the show. Yeah, But this episode... She basically gets kicked off Ezra's book tour on the book that she co-wrote that she enabled, really, which was like extremely fucked up. And I couldn't understand. I understand why she would like not want to be on a book tour, given that she's in the midst of like this evil plot. Right. And she takes it that as a as like a welcome distraction. Like, okay, now I can go do a stuff now. Right. But it seemed really weird that the publicist of the book would be like, or the you know the the publisher of the book would be like, well, this is a book about your real life thing, and now you've had this big. I guess it makes sense. You've had this big television reunion with your ex girlfriend, who we thought was dead, and you wrote a book about her. But let's drop the co writer of the book, whose name is on the cover, presumably. You know that felt like extremely uncomfortable and and. Like unethical. To be I happening. mean, it's just kind of like it, it feels pretty contrived, to be honest, because the because uh, Nicole's picture is on the cover of the book, which they showed like a little in in the poster. I mean, isn't it supposed to be like a fiction book? I, like, yeah, it's not supposed to be a memoir, right? It's it's fiction. It's so fiction, it's like, but it's, then yeah, I I thought that it didn't make sense. And then like, and then and then Ezra is basically saying like. I don't want to answer any questions about um, Nicole because uh, of Arya, 
Um, and then his publisher's like, well, or his publicist is like, well, you know, why would I not want to capitalize on all of the media that attention that you're getting? Right. And then the first question that he gets is um, at the actual reading is, can we expect another book that's more about your relationship with Nicole? And he's basically like, nope, that's over. That's done. And it's like, didn't your publicist tell you not to say that? And that's the first thing you say? Like, Well, I thought that was actually him like trying to be a better character. I thought he actually acquitted himself pretty well in this episode of being like, I'm not going to do this. And then being convinced by Arya that he should do it. And then taking the question honestly and being like, yeah, I love Arya and I'm marrying her. And, you know, but I I thought this was like a work of fiction. And so it was very strange that all of a sudden, like the real life circumstances were were attached to it in this, you know, obviously non-fictional way. I mean, of course, her coming back, I guess, is he supposed to be like, on the news, you know, is this supposed yeah. to be like a, like, I guess Aria saw him on TV. Right. So it's like, he's now this national news story and he's like this weird celebrity in a way that the show has not actually discussed before this moment. Right. Which is sort of a weird element also. That's the only way people are going to buy that undoubtedly terrible book. That's true. Then Although maybe, here and then, then may, and now. Maybe Aria is a good writer. Who knows? We know Fitz is not a good writer. Uh, well, if, if, it was funny because watching Arya crash into stuff and hurt herself and uh, almost fail at her first time being a yeah it was like wearing come on, her hoodie Arya. like it, it it we had we had finally gotten to a point where Arya was good at things right not not just we don't just get the impression that she's good at things we actually watch her be good at things and it's just like come on Arya you're letting us down like we thought you were good at this now and now you're just being a bad a. Well, that was actually, that's a funny thing to point out because we think of A as being like this super spy, omniscient character who's always one step ahead. Mm -hmm. And yet here's A recruiting someone who has no experience doing this, whose experience is being on the other side and being like relatively incompetent for however many years they've been at it. Uh, And she's expected to like go in and not get caught and not foil the whole plan. I'm I, I'm sure that by now A has some sort of process down to uh, acclimate uh, A amateurs because at this point you know A's had people like Sydney and mm-hmm. some other dumb shits who knows who are probably just you know fumbling their way through being A that A has to coach because it's like I need to get you up to my level right um, so I'm sure A is used to dealing with people who are bad at being A that's true I wonder if they're there must be some kind of a training program, but we don't see Arya go through it, of course. And this calls <laughs> this calls back to like the limo exit, where we were wondering, like, is she going to go encounter AD right now, or is she just like going home? Mm-hmm. Was this just like that's it? That's the end of the speaking scene. of the limo. Um, yes, yes, yeah. Go ahead. Quick thought: there is a really, really poorly done transition. Uh, I don't remember what was before it, but out of nowhere, we suddenly just see a quick glimpse of. Uh, Lucas in a, limo in a limo reading Arcturus. Yes. Um, graphic novel, not a comic. Yeah. This is, that was, <laughs> there were like two great, li- two hilarious lines in this episode. And one of them was Lucas is cornered by the liars and they're asking him about the comic book. And he's like, it's a graphic novel, <laughs> which is one of the funniest <laughs> things in PLL history. Um, and the other, let me check my notes here. There was another really good line that I, uh, it, we'll get we'll get to it. We'll yeah, get to it. Um, but 
so what were we supposed to believe? Because we, you know, there's a confrontation, which basically, I think, in, in, in show parlance, removes Lucas from the equation. Yes. Which, of course, so, we knew that Lucas wasn't AD. Right. But so Lucas gets cleared from wrongdoing, and the explanation of Lucas is that, uh, yes, he was friends with Charles before Charles was Charlotte. He kept up with Charlotte over email and didn't know about uh, the transition. Mm-hmm. Uh and he got this Arcturus comic mailed to him. And so he went back to his apartment to try to find the sequel, which AD has already stolen. Mm-hmm. And the other interesting element was that he used to email, uh, I guess, Charlotte, uh, like his high school complaints about how everything was terrible and yeah. Allie and, and her like friends, her, her evil friends were bad. I mean, I guess this is like early high school during the Mona is a era, mm-hmm. right? Um, yeah. Well, so that, that was interesting and it gives some more, it gives a little bit more, it helps solve the motivation problem mm-hmm. that we like to talk about, which is like, why was Charlotte just toying with these four characters who really had nothing to do with her sister? And okay, the answer is possibly, uh, because Lucas was emailing her and being like, these people are bad people. Yeah. And which is crazy because Lucas basically says like, Allie, this is your fault. And the rest of you were just like uh, passive bystanders, um, but it's weird because Allie—I don't know—I don't, I don't feel like Allie tru- is truly coming to terms with this. Uh, the idea that like this is all her fault, mm-hmm. and I don't think that she's really reached that sort of conclusion yet. Um, but is this chain of events in the five years forward? Her fault? I mean, what has she done to set this off? Like, she fell in love with her sister's doctor, but mm-hmm. that ended up being a trap. What? What if we have, we haven't seen her do anything? Bad. Well, I mean, but if this is still all tied to what the, what happened in high school, then right. you know, then arguably it is still her fault. Um, I I guess I don't know. It's 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 also arguable whether or not she's uh, done any sort of contrition for everything that she, you know, did in high school. Right. Um, I thought, I don't know if she has, that's a good question. And I feel like the character growth we're seeing from Allie, uh, is her coming to term in this episode Mm -hmm. is coming to terms with her feelings for Emily and then reaching like a, a level of domesticity. And of course this is happening. Like literally what we're supposed to believe two or three days removed from Emily and Paige is like, fireworks reunion yep this is within days yeah so it's super compressed and i mean with emily and aria or with, with emily and Paige and Allie, i didn't really believe there was chemistry in in any of these points of the triangle and so for the show to sort of force them together over this baby situation it it gives em it gives uh ally an opportunity to have some character growth and to like let somebody in and to not be, you know, this like hardened, you know, protective right. liar person. But it also doesn't feel very natural also. No. And I mean, I, you know, I, I like to see people happily in love. And especially when it comes to a relationship like Allison and Emily, which hasn't really been previously established. Right. I mean, um, they just sort of there were flashes of it. They would hook up here and there. But it would never come, you right? Know, come to fruition. It's just the the unfortunate part is that they just. 
I don't. I mean, I don't even know if it's really the the fault of the act the actresses because I thought their big um, romantic scene was really well acted, actually. Yeah, it's just when they go to kiss, it's like it's, there's just nothing there. It, they seem to me they seem they seem very uncomfortable when they're kissing, and mm-hmm. it just I was just not buying it. Mm-hmm. I think it was well acted, and it was it felt sincere, like they believe that these characters have earned the relationship that they're about to embark upon. But at the same time, I just don't believe that you, you still question like why why are these characters together? I don't what what do they right? What's there? Where's that spark? Right, and it's because you know the cynical thing to say would be because like the fan universe wants them together, um, which is really unfortunate. Well, which they, is what Marlene has told us, and, right? And Joseph Doherty, right? So we don't like that. Uh, but I guess the intense thing that happens with them in this episode, two intense things. One is that Arya, Emily sets up this whole nursery for Allie, uh, adorable. And Arya, as A in her hoodie, comes in and like sprays blood over it, just trashes it, sets up this like puppet situation and really shakes them up. Drops her earring on the ground. Yeah, drops her earring on the ground. Which I knew was going to happen. Like I was a like, fool. They're going to find something. Which is spotted by Spencer who maybe is twin Spencer, hard to know. Uh, So that's intense, but there's also the scene where Spencer and Emily are talking, and Spencer's being criticized because of this whole situation with her getting drunk and using uh, Dr. Boyfriend's credit card at the bar at Radley. And uh, so Spencer goes after Emily and says, well, how about you? You're rushing into things with Allie. You're making a lot of assumptions, blah, yeah. blah. And then they, of course, you know, Emily takes that out on Allie and they ha- kind of have a blow up and that allows them to have this sort of cutesy domestic scene toward the end of the episode and, and process that. So it's, it feels almost, it feels like sort of the tension between Emily and Allie, I think is real and was well done, but having it come from Spencer makes me think that this is a twin Spencer with an ulterior motive. I didn't feel like that was a natural thing for Spencer to respond with. No. And actually that was the, it was from that scene where she's helping Emily build baby stuff there, that there's a jarring transition suddenly to Spencer showing up at detective conflicts apartment right? to have some conflict more happen right get it yeah. conflictier yeah so spencer show spencer goes to the police off the the she the episode opens with spencer at the uh police department being interviewed uh she goes back there toward the end of the episode and has another meeting with fury like that is all really crazy she goes to visit him in his, his apartment and like begs him to let her off the hook essentially like all but admitting that she did this murder mm-hmm. and the whole thing just felt like this doesn't seem none of this seems really spencery to me. No. It feels manipulative and weird and not really what I feel like. I feel like Spencer would try to solve this problem in another way. Right. I don't feel like she would sort of I it just didn't feel natural, which is what makes the twin theory seem more viable. Right. Although I you know, honestly, I would not have come up with this twin theory just watching the show. I would just be like, Spencer's acting weird. This is very confusing. Yeah. Um I mean, I I don't know. the The point that I'm at right now is that it's hard not to believe that the the twi- the Spencer twin theory is wrong because 
I mean, I don't know. Has has the show has there ever been a time in the show when the community has so gathered around a, a theory like this? I, I haven't paid enough attention to know. I mean, I would say no, not that I'm, you know, an expert on this kind of stuff, but I just you, you get the feeling that this is the answer. And I think a lot of people are buying into it. Right. I I am super wary of going all in on a theory that comes from outside of the show that we have only seen subtle hints of in the show and like watching the show, excuse me, watching the show through that prism that makes me really nervous because I mean, really the evidence isn't there. It's not there. I don't think it's there. Um, but I do think there was some interesting evidence, uh, in other directions in this episode, which Mm -hmm. I want to talk about. What did you think of Mona in this episode? Well, I mean, I I felt the same way about Mona in general, which is, uh, which is she shows up. Okay. First of all, last time we saw Mona, Mona was pretty much like, I can't help you. And now Mona shows up. She's thinking about it. It's a cliffhanger. She she wants to, yeah. but she knows that she shouldn't. And this time she shows up and she's like, okay, I'm in. Like, why didn't you call me? And my first, my first uh, reaction was, yeah, why didn't you call Mona? Yeah. Like, get Mona on this shit. Uh, but also, she seems to have made the decision and not told Hannah that she made this decision and then shows up and is like, why didn't you call me? Right. So, I don't know. I mean, who knows? I, I, I don't think that, I think Mona's good. Or on the good side, I guess. This episode made me think that she isn't. And Just based on her so, reaction like So that? did last week's episode because she was too familiar with the game. She liked the game too much. She explained. She was very proud to explain it, which was like a very Bond villainy thing to do. Mm-hmm. And in this episode, she has the back and forth with Hannah. And I love this where she was basically like, listen, I come and bail you out every time. And yet you don't trust me and I can't be part of the group. Mm-hmm. And that's like the same dynamic that goes back to high school. And she says, it makes me feel like I'm in high school again. Well, guess what? In high school, Mona was a, because she was driven to attack all these girls who had belittled her. You're right. And Mona says, uh, Hannah's like, basically let's go to high school. And Mona says something like, uh, well, it's like we never left. Right. Which is, which could be construed as Mona basically admitting that she's a, Right. And in the last episode, she talks about like playing the game as an addiction, you know, and we know Mona went to Radley and got, you know, psychiatric help and all this stuff. And so she, if you view her as like sort of a recovering addict, well, you bring that person that's who's to say that she hasn't returned, you know, and she hasn't come back to it. So here's, here's, I was about to say something along the lines of like, what if everyone who we think is a, is a, Uh what if they're all a, right. But Here's why I don't think that Charlotte is A, because I don't think that the show is dumb enough to make the same mistake twice. And they know that the most of the reactions that they got to Charlotte being A were negative. Right. And right. I don't think that they would bring Charlotte back to, to be A, thinking that somehow the ties have changed. Mm, okay. Like they know that they mishandled uh, a character. They know that they mishandled a trans character. And why would they like reinforce that mishandling right that's a good point um but what if mona's a what if twin spencer's a what if what if everyone who we think is a is a and it's just a conglomeration of all these a's well the other mona situation is she um 
she leaves a message for Hannah. She's she goes to the high school. Oh yeah, and she and says, she says yeah. I ran into your, I I saw your friends or something, and they like tried to they just ran by me, or they thought I was a. They thought she says Uber a. Mm-hmm. So she doesn't say eight D, which I thought was notable. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if it means anything, but I noticed it. Uh, and the fact is, if Mona ran into them, and she was then she could have been the one who pushed Allie uh, when Allie and Emily are like running after somebody. That's what, uh, yeah, that's what, I think that's what the assumption is, is that yeah. Mona pushed Allie over. Totally. But that doesn't make any sense, because why would Mona push Allie over? Like, she was, she said something like she was startled or something. Uh, also, that's not even followed she up says, on. She says that her, that the liars were chasing her. Mm-hmm. And, okay, we see the liars chasing someone who they think is A, and then that person knocks over Allie. So if it was Mona, why wouldn't she say, "Hey, oh, I guess she was trying to keep it a secret." Yeah, she's trying. To, she but, want uh, them to I don't know. I that's that's yeah, not. Yeah, it's suspect. That's suspect to me. And also to say like, "Oh, no one ever came to get the hard drive," unless right. the hard drive really is meaningless, right? Which is and we that's have, why it only has a Patsy Klein song on it. And, and we didn't see anybody getting it either. Well, that's the thing about the game. Uh, about the board game is that it has not been super consequential. It's been more just about getting the liars to follow it. Mm-hmm. It's been more about getting them to be under control yeah. and playing within the rules of the game, right? And getting like them where them, they need them to be, making them into dolls again. Yeah, because you know something like Spencer going to talk to, uh, um, what's his name? Who's not in this episode? Uh, Toby. Tobes. Right. Or. Um, well, it was it was more impactful when Allie goes to uh, pick up the baby stuff, you know. Mm-hmm. But it's like they weren't in danger. These are more just about like moving them through and giving them information and doing setup and keeping them under control, which I think is really important. Like making them into pieces of the game, you know, characters going around a board. Um, we never saw so AD never went and picked up the hard drive, which means that Hannah never got a puzzle piece. Which is like, is the, has that's, the show already true. forgot about the whole point of the game? No, that's true. That was a missing piece in this episode. Um, and I, I would expect that there will be an answer next week. And Mona said, you know, they, that, that AD never went and got it. Right. But where else would AD, does that mean something? Because if Mona isn't AD, and if Lucas is not AD, and obviously it's not Arya, uh and nobody came to pick it up. I mean, does that mean one of those people was going to like Lucas was going to, or somebody else needed to, I don't know. I don't know, I don't know if we can draw any conclusions from that. If a was busy doing something else and we did get an a scene at the end, an AD scene mm-hmm. at the end of this episode, which we have not gotten really in a lot of these episodes. Yeah. Um, a finishing the comic, finishing, <laughs> scrawling into the back of the Ar- comic. Arcturus 2, Endgame. Endgame. <laughs> and that was a good scene. Um, although I have a hard time believing that A would just start drawing directly on the page with the other pages and not like draw it. You know, in real comic art, they like draw it on a computer now where you like draw it on a, a big piece of paper that gets shrunken down to fit <laughs> into a comic page. So I don't know. It seems maybe A is proving a point. Are really concerned about quality? Right. It just the rest of the comic just seemed very. It's a graphic novel, right, uh, and, and it seemed professionally produced. You know, the coloring it did. looked very nice. Yeah. So I was sort of surprised 
that a ad whoever would just like start doing like who's it. the good drawer? Is it Charlotte or Lucas? Well, that's a great question too because like that sort of we were talking about like Bethany Young being an artist in mm-hmm. Radley yeah. and who knew Bethany Young in Radley? Well, Charlotte, Charlotte. did, and so Lucas potentially knew Bethany Young. That's true. Then if if you know, although Lucas or, or said Charlotte. that he was only communicating via email, right? Right. After, uh, so that makes it. So that begs the question: uh, Did did Lucas know who Charlotte, who Cece was? I think he says no. He says he didn't know. Yeah. Well, you think that? I mean, I don't know. Do we? The other thing that bothered me about this episode, um, and this happens a couple episodes ago, where Lucas Lucas was going to meet with these investors. Uh, and Hannah says, oh, Lucas lost everything, and I guess making this investment in her clothing factory or whatever, and he wasn't able to get other investors to get on board. And then in this episode, they had this sort of like intense conversation about how he lost his fortune on her, basically, and it was, it was all worth it for you, and you get the sense of like, yeah, of course, Lucas is still in love with her, yeah. and Hannah can't reciprocate, and it's like a pretty intense well done scene because Lucas is like not expecting her to reciprocate either. Right. So it's just like this sort of super intense uh, platonic scene. I may have all the money in the world, but I'll never have you, Hannah. Right. But I couldn't believe like here's this guy who made all this money and we're supposed to think that he instead of just like taking a little bit to do this project, he was like, yes, let me invest my entire fortune in your clothing line. Like (laughs) when, when did that happen? Like when did this suddenly become this like it just seemed like the stakes of that went up dramatically from initially him being like, yeah, I'll give you money and I'm super rich and this will be a chill thing that we do as opposed to I need to bring in investors, like multiple other investors to float your shitty clothing line to like get it out to Macy's or whatever. Like yeah. that, none of that just made any sense. Turns to out me. buying an, a warehouse is a lot more expensive than I or expensive than I expected. Well, it's like, her clothes wouldn't even be made in America, probably, right? Like, <laughs> what What are we... I don't know. It's just none of that plot really seemed to... It just seemed like, you know, the show did not really do its research as far as like, hmm, how are clothes made? Mm-hmm. And how much does it cost? And you probably... You literally would not go buy a factory. Like, you would hire some people who already work in a factory to take some time and make your you know you right you, whatever you, you'd go to an existing factory to make your stuff like that's how clothing that's how new clothing companies start it's like yeah. if you want to make jeans you would go to the the cone denim factory in north carolina or whatever and you'd give them their designs and you you know you get put into the queue uh i mean i don't know how every clothing company works but it's like you would not there's no way on earth that you would like raise millions of dollars and buy a factory yeah, start from start start by buying a factory. Yeah, so that all seemed completely nuts to me, and yeah, not so this and is not an Amer- American apparel. But it was, I guess, it was supposed to make this romantic point that he was willing to give up everything for her, uh, and I hate it because it's stupid. It's d- stupid. It's pathetic um, because it's just like it. It sucks because it's like it's an, yet another character who as much as they've grown, they haven't grown at all. And now they're stuck. Exactly. Exactly. He's still in love with like this girl from high school who was always unattainable. And even five years later, and he's a successful guy and he can't, he can't move past it. And it's like, yeah, I hate that. I hate that the show has not allowed these characters to grow up at all. Mm -hmm. Agreed. Um, 
Uh, so what else about this episode? Uh, Caleb is still a fucking dunce and a half. Yeah, I didn't like anything Caleb did in this episode. I mean, like... He continues to be, like, dumb and uh, hubristic. Well, right, because uh, Hannah basically, like, you know, uh, put has to put her foot in her mouth when she realizes that Spencer got drunk um, at the Radley that n- the night that she bought drinks with uh, Dr. Husband's credit card right um and she was getting really drunk because uh, of caleb because caleb was leaving her obviously um and so hannah realizes this and obviously feels really bad and hannah tries to talk to caleb about it and caleb is like Durr, i don't get this yeah like, why, why why is this a problem idiot you fucking yeah. dummy yeah you're not that dumb just because you can hack computers doesn't mean that you're so socially and emotionally like, yeah and emotionally emotionally, re- emotionally vacant <laughs> but he and he has an interaction with spencer and he's like hannah and i aren't gonna let you down again and it's like man this is so far removed from you being a shitty boyfriend like i don't understand you're like you're trying to maintain a connection without really apologizing and you just need to be like, listen, I really fucked this up. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm really yeah, sorry. Yeah, he needed to apologize, and he didn't. Yeah, instead he's just like, that's got to count for something, right? Or that still counts for something. Yeah. And then Spencer's like, sure. I mean, yeah. Sure, what just I, go the what fuck I, away whatever, so man. Sleep. Yeah, just get out of get out of my house. <laughs> get out of here. Uh, and, uh, you know, meanwhile, Ezra seems to be uh, fully back on board. Um, so the whole, the whole Nicole thing has been resolved. Yeah, um, yeah, we're never gonna see her again. Nope. As, as you uh, as you thought, except on the cover of their stupid book. Yes, um, which like I, I said this before, but it's called like what then then and now. I can't remember. Yeah, it's it's some it's everything that Ezra does. I fucking hate, and I think he's a bad author, and I'm sure that Arya is not very good. I'm just. It sucks. I I hate it. I ha- I hate I hate everything about those characters. I can't I can't get past it. Even though I feel bad for Arya and like her crying at the end, it's like I feel I feel for you. You're like in your you're in a really bad position. How are you gonna explain that cut to Ezra? Yeah, she has a cut on her arm. She goes and she cries by herself. That was an intense scene. I really liked that. I liked her like dealing and being visibly uncomfortable throughout this episode mm-hmm. at like manipulating her friends and having to be on the A team and having to like deal with this shit. Uh, I thought was played really effectively, but I do think this episode took on too much. The Spencer stuff is super messy. Like her deciding or whoever her, her twin deciding she's going to try to play the play fury and be like, well, I, if I had your thumb drive, it meant I went to your apartment at night. That's crazy. What would that mean for you? Yeah, and like, detective conflict is fucking right. Right. Like, Try, for fuck's sake, we saw that shit. Come on. Well, it's just like, you're really going to blackmail a cop right now? That seems like a good idea. Like, <laughs> first you went to a cop and said, can you just, like, not do cop stuff? <laughs> After, this is, like, the second cop you've dated who was, you know, you've dated two cops who are, like, these pretty stand-up guys. Like, you really thought the cop was just going to be like, well, you're pretty. I mean, mm-hmm. maybe I'll just, like, not get you on this murder charge. Last t- Well, last time she dated a cop, she tried to also, like, play off effect. Remember, you remember that whole uh, really piss-poor uh, storyline with uh, Spencer doing, uh, doing the vandalism with uh, her, that, like, Art that transient artist, yes, the art bro, art bro, right? 
And then, and Toby basically shows up and is just like, Spencer, what the fuck are you doing? Right. Like, you're acting like a fucking idiot. Yeah. But, but that wasn't like a murder situation. <laughs> no. <laughs> well, you know, the stakes is high. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I miss Toby. Yeah, I, I don't. Also, I don't miss Toby as much until until he's gone, and I, I feel for him. I hope he's doing okay. I also miss Toby, and I was surprised that Caleb shows up in this episode, and there's no question about like, hey, you went on a fishing trip with Toby, who just lost his wife. How is that guy doing? Also, uh, bad timelines because in the last episode, where which uh, assumedly took place a day or two ago, right. Uh, they were on a fishing trip on the cabin. So only Caleb's back. So right. less than like almost like a day later, Caleb's back. So that was a quick fishing trip. Yeah, that was a quick fishing trip with your friend who just lost his wife. Yeah, it's true. Um, but you know, whatever. Nothing yeah, to it's show. a very dream com- logic. Dream logic. Yeah. No, I think something I think would really be fascinating if if somebody who isn't me went back through every episode and tried to do like an actual day by day timeline of it. I would love to read that. I think it would be fascinating and it would help explain a lot of stuff, but maybe it would just like, I don't think that's something that the creators of the show have done clearly, clearly, uh, which, which, you know, would probably just reveal this show as being less, less rigorous than um, we would maybe like it to be. Except which is fucked up because when Spencer goes to, uh, uh, Fury's apartment. She's like, I'm still the person who you had lunch with and played ping pong with, uh, like days, like two days ago. Right. She basically points out the timeline. Yeah. And uh, and then the show just doesn't pay any attention to it. So like, <clears throat> not th- not that the show has to, and not that anyone really gives a shit besides us. But um, at the same time, it's like don't point out the timeline if you're not going to follow it. Um, also, I think that finding a timeline on this show would be pretty easy, especially in these past couple episodes, because mm-hmm. you can just look out for nights. Like, yeah. Just follow where whenever it turns into night, and then you're set. Right. Um, and who knows if it all adds up. Right. I don't know. But, yes, it's it's frustrating. It's frustrating because, you know what, This I'm starting to see, to feel like the contradiction that is so frustrating about the show is that it sets itself up and has a thriving community of dedicated sleuths who are pouring over every single fucking detail. Right. But yet when we point out super contradictions or things that like literally just don't work, people are like, well, why do you care so much? Or, um, I'm talking hypothetically, but also like people online or like Norman Buckley, uh, we're just like you know. That's, don't pay attention to that. It's like, well, what do you want me to do? Yeah, it's you're, a cop you're setting show. this shit. It's up. a it's a direct. It's a it's a it's an investigation show. Yeah, and it's like you, just because it's for teenagers doesn't mean you get to cut corners. Also, like you, it's it's that sleuthing community that it, that makes up a lot of your fandom. I mean, granted, yeah, no, it's people me. on. I mean. I do think like a lot of the people who watch the show and there's no way to have numbers, but it seems like the discussions of the show are either about the ships or they are like extremely intricate Tumblr threads and like wiki pages about like who is whose mom, who is whatever. And people are like super obsessed with every detail of it. And this is not like a show that you just sort of are watching because, Oh, what's going to happen to the characters? You know, mm-hmm. like it's a mystery show 
of course, of course, all this stuff matters. And so, yeah, yeah, it is a little bit frustrating to have the show exist in a bit of this dream logic space where certain things don't make sense or they appear to be misaligned or, or whatever it is, or even just like exist in this world where magic exists and ghosts exist and uh the technology is like a little bit surreal and is not Mm -hmm. does not line up with our world so it is like there is this sort of let's pretend that ravenswood didn't happen but even without that there is this very like subtextual sense that like uh it's magical realism that it is not reality it is that things can happen that we are just not going to understand that the show is not going to really tell us about, which feels a bit like an excuse, but it is also like it is an underlying piece of the show that there is a a little bit of sense of unreality to it. Yeah. And I just, I don't think it's that hard to keep things consistent or logical or. Well, I guess what I would be looking for is, for this Spencer twin situation to make a lot more sense. Like for there to be some flagrant reveal, you know, or, I mean, there's only four episodes left, so we'll know sooner than later. Um, But I just feel like we're being asked to receive this very strange Spencer chronology and personality fluctuation without really setting it up for anything. And without the other liars really noticing, like the other liars are not like, Hey, you know, you've been acting kind of weird and sometimes you have highlights in your hair and sometimes it doesn't really seem like you do. Yeah. What's up with that? <laughs> so, yeah, I don't know. I can't tell if like the show is being obvious about the theory or if it's just like a hot mess. I mean, uh, well, what has experience taught us, Dave? <laughs> I don't have a good answer. I, I don't have a good answer. It would not surprise me if this was just like, a really messy Spencer episode. Yeah. You know, I mean, that would be fine. I mean, yeah, like we've seen Spencer spin out. We've seen her do mm-hmm. illogical things. Right. We've seen her act irrationally. Um, I just, she also is not really telling the other liars. Like, I guess she does say like, Oh, well maybe I, maybe I can talk to Fury and he'll still have feelings or whatever and emily's like oh you shouldn't rely on that but then she does twice and she doesn't tell them mm-hmm. which struck me as being weird she still, she still hasn't told them about ren at the airport yeah absolutely there's no mention of him in this episode at all which is like oh well that sort of makes me feel like you're a twin yeah. and you're not actually spencer because... i mean really that's 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 the evidence we have yeah yeah the solid evidence with evidence that we have is that Spencer was at the airport with Ren, and that doesn't make any fucking sense. And she asked Ezra not to say anything. Yeah, and then it's just, like, abandoned. Yeah. I mean... I feel like that's that... That's gotta be brought back. That was so... Yeah. I feel quick. like that is being set up so that there can be a flashback, and we can have this big, stupid twin reveal. Yeah. I mean, and they'll point out, and they're gonna back. they're gonna point out all these scenes where we were like, "Oh God, is that a twin?" And the twin's gonna be like, "Yep, that was me." Yeah. Hey. I mean, I feel like that is sort of the inevitable thing, and I hate it, and I don't want it to happen. But I think that's probably the setup. The only way that this would feel satisfying to me is if uh, evil twin Spencer fought Spencer. Yes. Just like like with swords. Yeah. With like a lightsaber. or or just kung fu like yeah, in kung fu. the one yeah. Jet Li's the one. 
Yeah. Have you ever seen that movie? No, I have not. Oh, it's awesome. Okay. He fights himself. It's awesome. That's great. He uses an axe on himself. Oh, like Mel Khan. <laughs> like the guy who got his not, fucking not head like, cut off. No one, no one can be quite like <laughs> Mel Khan. Uh, um, get any other thoughts on this episode? I don't. I don't want to go. I think we've gone deep enough. I think this episode raised some interesting questions. I cleared Lucas of wrongdoing, probably. Uh, you think this? I think that's the last we're going to see of Lucas. Yeah, I think this clears. Lu- I think this is like the Lucas goodbye episode for yeah. sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe we've had the Toby goodbye episode. Like maybe his girlfriend getting dying is like the end of Toby, and we're not going to see him anymore. No, you no. think he comes back? Uh, he's got to come back hmm. because him and Spencer need to get back together. Ugh, do they though? <gasps> you know what might happen. Twin Spencer, evil Twin Spencer, might start hitting on him. Mm, steal him away. People think that evil Twin Spencer is the one who kissed him oh, be- before Yvonne died. Yeah. Or got in the accident. Oh, that's a good theory. I don't know, man. I think I've... These episodes are now so so full and so heavy, and I really feel like I don't know what's going on. Which is why the last episode was so great, the more I think about it, is because a lot happened, but it didn't feel like it was overpacked or or poorly paced. No, it, it felt pretty focused. And this one, like I think, was trying to set up a lot of tension between the liars and trying to do a lot of emotional work with with everyone, really, mm-hmm. but especially like with Arya and with Spencer kind of spinning out. And it's just like having this twin theory float around is really making me anxious because I don't know how to watch the show. Mm-hmm. So I would like the show to point me in one direction or the other in the next, in the next episode. Hopefully I, you got to give us something uh, because number one, I just hate the theory and I hope it's not true. <laughs> so it's like, I'm sort of watching the show with like one foot in each camp. Why do you hate this theory? Because it just introduces a new character and we've already had sort of a lot of twin action with, uh, Mrs. De Laurentiis and her sister with Bethany Young and Allison looking alike. Mm-hmm. I mean, I feel like the show has sort of done that already and to return to it again doesn't feels less like a motif than just like sort of laziness yeah. and to introduce like another Hastings or another Mary Drake offspring. Like, wouldn't that have been mentioned in her letter to Spencer? Like, I'm so sorry that this happened to you and also your sister, the twin. Yeah. I I don't know. It just feels like, why, why would you do this? Like, why would you, and why do this to Spencer? Like you've already revealed her mom uh, is Mary Drake, which is a crazy reveal that I already didn't, which I already didn't like, you know, Mm -hmm. I didn't really see why that was necessary or what it adds to the show. It's just like a weird spin, but it's like, if you're going to do that reveal and then you make another reveal on top of it with no evidence, nothing that would indicate it earlier, it just feels really cheap and not thoughtful. Whereas like having Mona or Charlotte or, you know, who knows some other, some other character. Mm -hmm. Uh, but I really, to me, if, if it's not Mona or Charlotte or they are not involved in some sort of way, they're the most interesting characters. So I'm just not really interested in, introducing another Spencer and like relitigating or retconning the whole history of the show and being like, well, this was good Spencer and this was bad Spencer and blah, blah, blah. Right. No, I completely agree with you. Um, but we'll see what happens. Uh, I remain, you know, I, this was, this was sort of more of like a classic 
mediocre midseason PLL episode, whereas like the episode last week was better than it needed to be. That's what I was saying. It, it, this felt like uh, an episode from Seven A. Uh huh. Just like just kind of it was just there. It ha- it pushed yeah. some stuff forward. Yeah. Whatever. Like it. It obviously Lucas wasn't going to be AD. Mm-hmm. We needed to come to the end of that like three or four episodes of thinking he was AD, as the show always does throughout history. So it just like went through another one of those cycles. You know. Yeah, I'm I'm really getting sick of the liars. Uh, I'm going to be glad when I don't have to experience this anymore, which is the liars confronting somebody and like calling that person a like. Yeah, it's so, you. So why we are you a? You. Yeah. And then the person's like, "Well, it's not me," and they're like. Oh, we're really sorry. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> which which is hilarious because then the following scene where Emily and Allison finally kiss, it's almost like they're like joking about like uh, Emily's like, uh, I thought you were going to rip Lucas's head off. And Allison's like, well, <laughs> I thought he was AD. Oh, I know. <laughs> right. It's like, really? It's like, uh, let's have a chuckle about that. Yeah. You're going to play this as like sitcom dialogue now. <laughs> Like, this person is torturing you. Like, Dave Matthews song. Do you have anything to say about the Dave Matthews song? I'm glad there was a Dave Matthews song in this episode. <laughs> I love Dave Matthews. I like seeing him get that. I, I like seeing him reach out to a, a new, younger audience. Um, I think I think Dave Matthews is doing just fine. I think his, he, his band is still, like, one of the top-grossing musical touring acts. Oh, yeah, ever. I mean, I think they've, they've slowed down a little bit, but, yeah, they're... they're they're doing fine. They're going to be able to sell out shows as long as they would like to. <sighs> Tripping Billies forever. That's a good song. Tripping Billies until the end of time. Um, well, uh, let's see. Why don't we do some fake beer sponsors? Fake beer sponsors. Uh, and we're going to have a, a, a fake beer sponsor jingle. I think Phil just sent it to us, actually. Awesome. Well, maybe I'll see if we can... Uh, let's, let's save it for next week, because... Yeah, unless we'll unless it. we can pop it in here and then you can. No, no. If he sent it to me, I can I can cut it in in the editing room. Yeah. Uh, well, so maybe you'll hear a jingle after this little bit. Maybe not. We'll see. Let's uh, pause right now for the hypothetical. Okay. Okay. okay, that was maybe that was a jingle, maybe it wasn't. Who knows? <laughs> we don't edit this show. Um, I'm drinking as I usually do an Oakshire Sunmade uh, Raspberry Berliner Weiss, uh, still delicious. And Dom brought some over uh, the other day, so I'm I'm happy to. I thought they were going to be done making this in April, and yet it's almost June and it's still available. So I will just keep on drinking it. Yeah, Oakshire. By this point, um, you know, if you just paid us in in this beer. Just like one more six pack, and I'll just keep talking about it on the show every week. That's fine. I'm happy to do that. Um, I'm drinking a Rainier, a tall boy, that was in the back of your fridge. Thank God. That was just going to sit there for another couple of years. <laughs> no, that's not that old. That's probably for my birthday. Uh, I it's, think it is for my birthday. It's probably about three weeks old. Yeah, which is fine. You know? Yeah, classic. It was a nice little discovery. I like a Rainier. It's a sippable, dependable beer. It's definitely my favorite cheap beer. Mm-hmm. Yep, <clears throat> named after the mountain, or is the mountain named after the beer? Oh, that's a good one. I think it's the first one. Yeah. <laughs> well, there's a picture of the mountain on the beer, yeah. so we, probably the mountain. Yes, <laughs> I think that's unlike Pretty Little Liars. I think that's one mystery that we could put to rest tonight, Tom. Well, 
Yeah, I feel good about that. I feel satisfied with. I got some closure on that. I mean, unless the mountain has a twin. Ah, uh, well, please uh, rate and review us on iTunes. We don't have any new reviews this week. We don't have any new ratings this week. Um, but we would love to read a review, be it bad or good. Yeah, so, you know, if you listen to us and you have not yet done either one of those things, please do. That'd be really nice. Uh, we're, we're also on Twitter at PLGM Podcast, uh, which I never checked. Have you have you looked at the at replies lately? Are people saying hi? Oh, yeah, actually. Um I should probably actually look at it. Actually, maybe I'll, I'll, I'll read some of these because we we have actually we were asking people um, how they were discovering us because we got a bunch of new listeners. That's and, right. Uh, obviously, people uh, have started listening to us through Cabernet and A. Yep. Um, Shout out Cabernet and A. Yeah. Uh, let's see. There's a few people who are confirming the twin Spencer um, thing. Uh, let's see. Oh, uh, someone pointed out. I think. Oh, we 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 were wondering why Spencer had uh, uh, Doctor Husband's card in the first place, right? And uh, Emily Jane Lee said that Spencer had Archer's card with her because the plan was to buy a ticket to London with it. That's right. Yes. Um, and I was like, oh, thank you. They wanted the cops to have a reason to think he's still alive, and all they had their. And they all had their role that night. I think she only did hers halfway. That's right. So her job was to buy the plane ticket, and instead she went and got drunk. Right. So she fucked up. Blew the plan. And then AD continued with the, continued to do that fake, uh, the bus trip or whatever. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Which, though, the, the only curious thing about that is I don't think the liars ever checked on that to, like, see if Spencer had accomplished what she did. What she was supposed to do. I can't remember. Yeah. But I do, I do remember that the the trip as conti- is continued beyond what the liars had set up by AD. And they find out about that from the cops. And they're like, oh, that's crazy that that happened. <laughs> hmm. I want to know about the bartender that night who uh, got a card uh, with Archer Dunhill on it. Uh-huh. And didn't uh, didn't didn't double check do their due diligence. Yeah, that's true. That's a bad bartending. That's true. The uh, the liquor commission is going to come down hard on the Radley. Yep. Well, that, I, yeah. That, who knows? Did he check Spencer's ID? I mean, you can get you can get your liquor license pulled for that. At least in Oregon, you can. Yeah. Well, in in the PLL verse, I mean, the, the rules are a little different. The, who knows? The OLCC is also notoriously strict. Yeah, that's true. That's true. But it's yeah, it's strict many places. Uh, but it's, you know, the liars have never had any trouble getting alcohol. That's true. Which, um, you know, I think that's a the typical rite of passage for teenagers in rich suburban towns. Although I will say that the transition to them being like people who drink regularly definitely came after the five-year break. Oh, yeah. All of a sudden, like one of the indicators of maturity was all of a sudden that Oh yeah, we're just gonna drink all the time mm-hmm. and have beer Let's and cocktail, have cocktails, wine, wine. Yeah, yeah. Spencer's got stuff. a bottle of wine at her. Even Lucas, who yes, you know, was shaken up pretty badly. He calmed his nerves. Yeah, he has with little, some bourbon. He has a little beverage. I wonder if you could go back through all these episodes and find one that doesn't have drinking in it, actually. Which is maybe a bad influence on the teenage audience of the show. I am not going to render judgment on that tonight. <laughs> 
<laughs> it's it's fine. I mean, they're over twenty one. Yeah. You know. No, I mean they are. The characters are. It's fine. So and you know and they're, they're it's glamorous to be an adult, yeah, right? The, yeah, you get to you get to be like Caleb and become like a mediocre alcoholic for a while. Yeah, and if we have any listeners who are under twenty one, trust us. Super glamorous to be an adult. It's yeah, it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> uh until next week, it's fine, bitches. Can't keep a secret. It's one of us is dead.